Welcome back to Entertainment Talk. Today I'm here to do another film review. This one's going to be for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, the newest addition to the MCU. I'm your host, Matthew. We're going to start off spoiler-free. Um, give you my spoiler-free impressions or thoughts review. Uh, then we'll take a break like we normally do. And then I'll get into spoilers later. Uh, let's jump straight into our rating system. Of course, you've seen from the title, I'm going to give this a don't skip rating. But we have a strong must-see must see then don't skip possible skip skip and then a hard skip um it's been very interesting over the last week or so to see some people very much enjoying this film some people thinking this is like utter trash or whatever and some people saying like oh it it, it could have been better so i've seen some mixed reception of this film um it just missed the mark I think. Um, I don't think this is a bad film. I don't think this is a great film. I think this is a good film. And one that I just about enjoyed. Which sits right where our sort of don't skip rating usually fits. And just for numbers I would give this like a 7.5 maybe an 8 out of 10. So not bad. Not a 6. Not a f- oh, 6 isn't bad. Not a 4 or a 3 or something really terrible. But um, not quite up to the MCU's, like, high standards. And I was going into this film thinking, okay, not a lot of people have enjoyed this. Some people have, some people haven't. Bit of a mixed response. But I kind of expected to come out of this film and think what we're all moaning about. You know, because that's just sometimes, specifically with the MCU as opposed to, like, anything else. That's how I kind of... Because sometimes I think that I can see what the MCU's doing and other people can't necessarily. And I thought that was going to happen again here, which it kind of did, but not to the degree that I thought. So, um, but seeing the reviews over the last week or just the, the online discussion about this film did sort of temper my expectations. I didn't go in with like sky high major, major sort of um, expectations, but I thought this would be quite an interesting film, which it was. And it's good in places. It's very, very good in a lot of places, particularly with Jonathan Majors as Kang is clearly the standout here. It just kind of missed the mark on too many different things to where I thought uh, it could have been better maybe here or maybe here. Um, I'll get all my kind of negative opinions about this out of the way. Um, I thought that this film was a little bit too long and... Not predictable per se, but you can kind of tell a little bit of where this is going at points. And you're kind of waiting for it to get to that point slightly. And it's it's kind of a bit like the first half or just under the first half of this film. I found a little bit frustrating to watch. Um, and it was weird for me to... Because I'm quite, you know sort of like really quite high and quite happy on the on the MCU. I've been really, really loving it, which I, I still do. But it was strange to not be loving this film. Like most films over the last however many years of the MCU, most of them I've loved. There have been a few now and again that have missed the mark slightly, which I think is where this one kind of sits slightly. And the TV's obviously been its own thing. Um, so yeah, I think the film's a bit too long. Um... Once it gets to the point where it's getting to, 
the rest of it's really good. So I would say the the build up is rewarded, but the build up is is slow. But the problem with the build up itself, like the the teasing of Kang, which I thought was very very good, it just like okay, talking about Kang, Kang's this big bad, you know, person, and like you know you sh- you should be afraid of him and all this sort of thing. And we knew that from like even from before the trailers, we knew Kang was on the way and and all that kind of stuff, right? It just sort of takes a bit too long to reveal him. But once you get there, because I think Kang does kind of save this film, but then Kang's a major part of this film. But yeah, that that was my big problem with the first half of this film is I I felt rewarded once we got in there, but getting there is quite just. Okay, it's a bit slow. You keep mentioning Kang and oh, he's coming and you know all, all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I I almost feel like this film should have a different title or something. I don't know what that would be, but it it would be Ant Man something something Kang or Ant Man and the Wasp something something Kang. And you know that obviously Quantum Mania is in the name, and we know that Kang's going to be here, but. Um, it's a bit like with Birds of Prey, right? It's a bit like with Birds of Prey. It's called Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous whatever emancipation of Harley Quinn. It should be called, should have been called Harley Quinn and Birds and the Birds of Prey or something. Because it was a Harley Quinn film where she meets the Birds of Prey. But it shouldn't have had that film as if, as if the Birds of Prey were like the main characters because they're not. And although Ant-Man is a main character here and Kang is and Wasp is... It just, I don't know, that, that that threw me off a little bit. And even though I knew Kang was going to be in this film and all that, it's just like, I don't know, it, this is one of the very rare occasions, because usually I would say, like, hey, your title doesn't really, like, things like titles and posters, like, okay, the film will speak for itself. But, I don't know, it's one of the rare occasions where I'd look at the title and think, oh, you could have named it a bit of something different. Um, not in a way of it's misleading, but you should have just put Kang's name in there, because we all knew it was going to be in this film, so... Um, Kang himself, I think, is absolutely phenomenal as a villain. I, um, the, the one thing this film needed to achieve, which it very much did, was, okay, show us, because we saw Kang in Loki, right? I don't think that's a spoiler, because we've already gone way past that. Um, and we sort of like, okay, he was teased, it's like, okay, you can see this guy has got some, some power, and he's, you know, he's a big deal, and all this kind of stuff, but... You get to this, and it's like, oh, now we see what he's, like, capable of, and what he actually is as well, and that was very, very important. So you absolutely hit the nail on the head with uh, Kang, um, very, very intimidating villain. Is he better or worse than Thanos? I don't know yet. I think it's too early to tell. But given the fact that we have a film coming out called Avengers Kang Dynasty, very good lead into all of that. So I think that's, that's very, very good. Um... I've got to talk about visuals for this film. I'm usually somebody that doesn't care about visuals at all, whether it's a game, show, or film. In terms of when I watch things or play video games, visual quality is at the bottom of the list of things that I care about. I mean, heck, you go back to things like, you know, Metal Gear Solid 1 on PS1. Yes, it looks dated, but the reasons that game is so, so, so good has nothing to do with the graphics. But anyway, uh, that's just a small example. I was very surprised and taken back by, in different scenes, how bad and how odd this film looked. It 
it very, very much stood out. And it was, I wouldn't say off-putting or ruin the experience, but it was certainly, yeah, pretty uh, pr- pretty striking how, um, I won't just say how off it looks, but how genuinely bad it looks at certain points. And I was seeing, you know, comments and videos and some pictures and stuff throughout the week of this film. I was like, oh, look at look at what Marvel's turned into for CG and stuff and for visuals. And usually I just ignore those types of comments because I don't care about visuals in things. Um, but it was, yeah, I, I had sort of like woken up to the problem, if, if that makes sense. There's been some like behind the scenes um, things going on with like what's going on with the... Uh, CG workers like VFX work and all, all that kind of stuff and I kind of admittedly brought not the not in terms of the worker conditions but in terms of the uh, quality control and everything and I kind of admittedly brushed that brushed those criticisms to the side because I didn't specifically care about like the quality of visuals in in these films because again that's just not something I even really look at there's a scene in this film uh, there's a couple of scenes in this film actually because they're in the quantum realm and there's all sorts of colors and things moving around and they're not in a place that's obviously on earth because they're in this weird timey-wimey quantum realm sort of place a bit like some of the visuals in sort of like doctor strange like some of those otherworldly type places that aren't real there's a couple of scenes in this film where a few characters are kind of standing around giving dialogue and that kind of stuff and the ground they were standing on looked fine my description of the background, like the, there's a difference between the wall in those scenes, or what looks like the wall, and what looks like the floor where the characters are standing. At certain points in this film, it looked like they were standing on a state. Obviously, they, you know, this place isn't real, is it? So they have to make it up. Because um, I know that there's a difference between on-location shooting and studios shooting and then green screen. I know that there's different ways to make stuff. It looked like they were on a sort of, like it blatantly looked like they were on a stage at one point. It looked like the wall behind them in the background was painted, like actual paint on the wall. And I've seen walls in the real world that look similar to that, but that's not how that's supposed to look. And you can very much tell and... Again, it didn't ruin the film or anything. It was just, and as somebody who doesn't even really pay attention to that stuff, because I, again, I just don't really care. It, if you get me to notice that type of thing, a lot of other people are going to notice it, and it really, really stood out. And I was like, "Oh, this looks weird. This looks really weird. Um, why does it look like that? There's a painted wall in the background." Um, and I've, I've seen behind the scenes videos of various different things getting made and you can see like, okay, they're on a sound stage of sorts and there's like a massive, massive green screen to fill in the background to make these fantasy or, you know, um, realms or whatever that obviously they don't exist in the real world. So you do have to make those. But it di- it didn't actually look like a CG image of a painted wall it looked like there wasn't a green screen and it looked like the wall was had actual paint on it which for a Marvel Studios film yeah there's I I, I this film kind of opened my eyes to, to, to the to the problem of that and that's not going to apply to every film because not every film takes place in like these otherworldly sort of realms and these sorts of things 
Um, I'm mentioning it so much because it stood out a lot here, and it wasn't just like, oh, one quick little scene where I could forget about it in a two-hour thing. It was relatively often. It was relatively often. And there was a particular particular part of this quantum realm world where it really stood out, and um, yeah. So my my eyes are now open to the problem that, that's going on. Um, and it's, it's weird. It's very, very weird. Anyway, aside from that, um, it's weird me talking about visual stuff because I, I, I never, I never am bothered by that at all. Um, but there's a difference between something that looks bad and something that just looks out of place. And I'd heard some things about like, oh, VFX teams have been getting rushed around at Marvel Studios and this kind of stuff. It, yeah, it opened my eyes to make it, I, I understood like, it felt rushed in 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 this particular film. Like it felt like some of these scenes had just been some of the backgrounds of these of these of this film had been kind of slapped together, and it was it was weird. And it's weird to be talking about an MCU film in this in this way, but I can't just pretend I didn't see what I saw, you know. So other than that, um, I thought it was funny in parts, um, just a bit too paint by numbers at points, a bit too basic, a little bit too predictable. Um, and just too much waiting for Kang to arrive. But once Kang gets here and things kick off, the film's pretty great. The film really does pick up quite a lot. I need to talk about Modok. Not in a spoilery sense. And now I'm not the most familiar with Modok, but I understand he's supposed to be this big, disgusting head person. He's a person who's a head with little legs on him. Um... I'd heard things like, oh, uh, Modok got done dirty in this film and, like, was really weird. And he's supposed to be weird and a bit odd and a bit creepy and a bit sort of, like, strange. Because he's a, he's a strange being. And the only the only time before I've seen Modok, I think, was in the Avengers game. So not the best example. Um, I I think you need you need to need to try again with Modok. Yeah, um... There's some very odd, not that, not that, not, uh, how do I explain this? Not the dialogue that was given to Modok, but the, it was just strange. And I, I know that Modok is supposed to be strange, but not strange in the way that he came across. It also didn't help that <laughs> a few of the scenes that Modok is in has that terrible background I was talking about. And when you've got this, ah, uh, when you've got this visual of a weird looking head in a in a suit which is what it's supposed to look like with the background that looks like it's a painted wall on a floor floating above a floor that does look better it just it it um yeah messed with my messed with my head a little bit and there's certain points when Modok is in this suit and the head's kind of floating because his head kind of floats around at different angles, if that makes sense. And there's a couple, there's, there's two or three shots in this film, two or three moments in this film, where Modok kind of like hovers directly towards the camera, and it just looked a bit strange. And I know Modok is supposed to look strange, but. Not in that way. I can't really sort of describe... I can describe the problem with the background thing because it looked like a painted wall. But it's just... I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know how you do that correctly in like a live action film. Because in video games and stuff, you can kind of blend 
a character light mode or kin to those environments. It was just this weird mix of like this head in this body that sort of looked different and kind of strange, but was supposed to up against this background that doesn't look right against, you know, in the same scenes as like these live action you know actors in in these in these suits that look correct because they look more normal and it was just, it was just a strange it's just it's a strange visual combination um modok is also a bit cheesy at times which doesn't really help and i know that it, it's trying to do that sort of marvel comedy which i like i've liked a lot but and again none of this is outright sort of like awful terrible garbage it just doesn't quite work, a lot of the things in this film. But then Kang comes along and saves the day, basically. Um, you could say, you could ask the question of, like, okay, if Kang wasn't in this film, the rest of it fails. But then if Kang's not in this film, half of the plot doesn't happen because he has to be there. There's certain, there's certain situations in games and shows or whatever where, okay, if you take out a character, how would the story work? Well, sometimes the story, the, the, the script would just end because the scenes that Kang is in are very, very important and he has to be there because if you take Kang out of the film, then the half of the film doesn't work. So it's that sort of situation. Because there are some things where you can say like, oh, that character or that character unnecessary could take them out. Yes, there is situations like that, but... Um, and look, I'm very, very much looking forward to seeing Kang again. Not a spoiler to say that Kang will obviously be back. There's literally a film called Avengers Kang Dynasty. And I think um, it's quite clear that Kang is the next sort of big bad for the MCU. Because it, it ain't it ain't going to be MODOK. <laughs> um, yeah, unless MODOK gets, uh, gets changed a little bit. Or just adapted into a different environment. I don't know, it was just, it was just strange... Um, it feels strange to be talking about an MCU film like this because I love most of them, but there were just things in this that just didn't quite stick right, just didn't quite work right, and I can't look past them. Because um, sometimes with films that you really love, you can look past its oddities or mistakes because there's things in the film that you love and those things that you love overshadow the mistakes. But I just can't do that here. And it wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be a, a, an honest review if I if I didn't look past those. But it's still a good film. I would not say this is a bad film. Um, I would say this is somewhere middle shelf for the MCU. Even though there's a lot of things on the shelf for the MCU. And we're nearing, what, 30 films at this point. It's not bad. There are certainly films in the MCU that are worse. But it just misses the mark just slightly. Um, so yeah. As some of the other characters. Again, Paul Rudd is brilliant as Scott. Uh, Catherine Newton, who's the recasted version of, of Cassie, she's very good. Evangeline Lilly, um, as Hope, is very, very good. Um, and so are most of the other rest of the cast as well. You've got Michelle Pfeiffer as um, as Janet. She's very, very good. William Jackson Harper um, as Quaz gets a role, is, is, is good here. Not quite used fully to his sort of, you know... Um, advantage if, if that makes sense that there's a lot more you could, could have got out of that character but still so overall um i at points had a good time with this film it just misses the mark on certain occasions has some very odd eye-opening cg um and is just just has an, an unfortunate combination of being a bit too long and taking a little bit too much time to get to the point i do feel like 
in terms of because pacing and structure and things like that can really really help a project a lot and if you still have the same mistakes that this film makes like the visuals and things with Modoc and other little bits and pieces if you'd built up to Kang better cut that down a little bit and made this film shorter it would have really really like you're only talking I'm only talking like 15 minutes if this film was like if the first half of this film was 15 minutes shorter 10 to 15 minutes and there's not as much build up and tease towards Kang you still need some of that to, to sort of like um, it's, it's one of them things where like the characters in the world are talking about oh you don't want to see him he's, he's the big bad villain uh, and sort of teasing it that did work it just lasted too long so cut down on that a little bit um and so still keep the same pacing and structure and length of like kang and onwards because that stuff works uh but just cut down on the uh on the introduction parts a little bit anyway that's what I got for you spoiler free uh let's take a break we'll come back and this is your first spoiler warning so if you don't want to be here for the spoiler stuff if you've not seen this film but would i recommend it yeah I'd, I'd, I'd still just about recommend it. It's very, very important as well for the MCU. And in terms of the two-job scenario that these MCU projects have got, which is how good is the actual film and story itself, and how well does it set up future stuff for the MCU, the first one lacks a little bit until Kang gets here. The second of which, which is, okay, setting up future things from the MCU, does a very good job with that. So, overall, would recommend the film, but on a lighter note. Um, but still, it would be a 7.5-ish out of 10, and I don't skip. So, not terrible, just misses the mark slightly. Anyway, I think I've explained my point there. Let's take a break, we'll come back, and we'll talk spoilers. See you in a minute. Hi there, if you're looking to get started with a website of your own and a domain name, we've got good news for you. With our affiliate link with Kualu, you can click on that link which is in your show notes, which is for our affiliate link. You can go over to Kualu to get started with your website and domain name today. They've also got a very handy chat support system, which is usually in the bottom right hand corner, to send messages back and forth to Kualu if you'd like to ask them for help to get started with your domain name and website today. So that's Kualu, and you can use them to get started with your website and domain name today. Thank you very much to Kualu for this affiliate link. Hi there, if you'd like to get rid of the ads in Entertainment Talks podcasts and listen to the ad-free versions of our episodes, we've got good news for you there as well. You can subscribe to Entertainment Talk at either the $5 level tier or $10 level tier. The $5 level tier will get you access to all of Entertainment Talk's previous ad-free podcasts and the future ad-free podcasts that we make in the month that you're subscribed for. If you also subscribe to us at the $10 level tier, that will get you that benefit that I've just mentioned, and it'll also grant you access to request a review for two episodes of a TV show and a general discussion on that show, or a film review of your choice. So if you if there's a TV show out there or a film that we've not covered perhaps and you'd like our opinion on it, we can watch two episodes of that TV show or film review. So it's one of either of those per month. Of course, if you continue subscribing each month, you can pick a TV show, then a film the next month and so on and so forth. This is a great way to support entertainment talk, get your ad-free podcasts and also get some reviews of your choice. Thank you very much for supporting us and thank you for listening. Back to the show. Alright, it's time to get into spoilers. If you've not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, you're going to want to switch this podcast off. 
Uh, you can either listen to some other stuff that we've got over on the website entertainmenttalk.org or podcast platforms, TV, games, films, main night podcasts, uh, lots of stuff to listen to. Um, or you can switch us off and listen to some music, some ASMR, or whatever else it is that you want to do. So this is your last spoiler warning. If you are not hands-free for any particular reason, maybe carrying shopping bags, maybe driving, who knows what you might be up to. Um, this is your chance to uh, pause the episode, mute it, take your earphones out, do whatever, because I'm going to get into spoilers now. Um, yeah, really loved seeing um, Kang be very, very powerful. And what? Um, the the interesting part coming out of Endgame, right, was okay. Thanos is this big bad villain, and he can snap his fingers and make you know half the world population or whatever disappear, but only in terms of Earth, right? And you know, Endgame came out and you know was a roaring success and all that. But the question that was left after that was, okay, how are you gonna do a more powerful villain than Thanos? You don't specifically need to do a villain that's more powerful than Thanos, but one that is a threat from a different, for a different reason or a different sort of a different type of threat. And Kang is definitely, obviously, our sort of multiverse threat that we've got going on. Uh, they showed a lot of different points how powerful he was. He does get sort of quote unquote defeated. I I, I thought it was very interesting the sort of like inner monologue thing at the end with um with uh with scott and he's like oh you defeated him and but oh no you weren't supposed to and it's all bad but oh no it's fine you know cassie's birthday and all this kind of stuff and he's you can tell in the back of his mind he's thinking what have i done what's going to be the the problem that that arrives from this turns out there's a whole bunch of kangs a whole bunch of kangs um I think we kind of knew this going going in, that like, okay, we are into the multiverse saga, this is the first film in Phase 5, even though Phase 4 is the start of the multiverse saga. And, um, you know, okay, there was one Thanos that we knew, he was on our Earth or whatever, he was part of our our main, the, the main thing. And he was defeated. There's probably other Thanoses, obviously, in other multiverses, but this, this new idea... Or new, newly introduced for the MCU of like, oh, there's infinite multiverses, which means there's loads and loads of Kangs, which means, okay, this guy was pretty powerful, got quote unquote defeated. He didn't technically die, did he? He just sort of got shrunk into some other place or whatever it was. Um, he didn't have what I would describe as a death scene. He was just pushed through to something else, into some other realm or or, or whatever. But. He's one of one of many, 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 many Kangs, and we've known through um, like One Division and Loki and Spider-Man No Way Home that there's infinite multiverses. That's the whole idea of this thing, and there's actually a council of Kangs, and there's a load of them. There's like five or six sort of leader versions of them, if you want to call them that, because there's the first post-credit scene where it's sort of oh, you know. One of them was defeated, but there's like five or six of these. And it's like, okay, if, if one Kang can do all of what we hear about in um, in the in the main portion of this film, what could two of them do? What could three of them do? Oh, what could like loads and loads of them do? Which I think is very interestingly leaning into uh, the potential of uh, not just obviously you got, was it called Secret Wars? Um, yeah, Secret Wars, Avengers Secret Wars, and obviously Avengers Kang Dynasty, which is obviously where where this is all building up to, isn't it? So, 
Um, because I can't remember if, because phases four, five, and six are multiverse. I can't remember if Kang Dynasty is supposed to be the last one in the saga. It would make sense, but... So we have our, our new thing of, like, okay, Phase 4 introduced us to a bunch of new characters. Okay, where's the next big bad? Well, here he is. This is what we're building to. And we knew that we were building to something big this whole time. But now we've, uh, you know, first film of stage, uh, Phase 5, we sort of set the stage for this now. So I think that's great. And, you know... They will come from different places. They will look totally different because that's what they are. Obviously, all played by Jonathan Majors, um, who is phenomenal in this role. Very, very intimidating, um, very powerful, and uh, really, really just you know, great dialogue, really great delivery of the dialogue, and sort of. There's there's a few bits I really really loved, particularly with Kang. There's sort of when he's threatening. Um, I said Iron Man when he's threatening Ant Man. And saying like, hey, if you don't do this, I'll kill your daughter in front of you and make you relive it like infinitely, if that's a word. And um, he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to do this for you. And he pulls him towards that glass thing. And he's like, do you think I'm bluffing? Do you think I'm lying? And like the delivery of that particular, those particular sort of lines were really great. He's like, do you, do you think I'm not a threat? Do you think I'm not like, you know, you're not taking me seriously? But not in a not in an MCU jokey way, in a very much sort of like, no, this guy means business kind of thing. And that was fantastic. Um, so yeah, very different kind of um yeah, just just different to, to Thanos. And it doesn't have to be oh, Thanos is really powerful, therefore the next villain has to be even more powerful, therefore the next villain after that has to be even even more powerful and be even more mustache mustache twirly villain and be even more cunning. No, they. That's not like what sort of going on here. They have their different sort of functions as villains. Um, apart from Modok, which is where you should try again. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's talk about Modok for a minute. So he gets. It, let's use some quotation marks here. Killed. Um. Yeah, the more I sit here and think about Modok, and I was on my you know journey on the way home from cinema on that, and I was thinking about Modok and other things in this film. I just yeah, I I can't tell if the the approach that I was supposed to take was the one that was supposed to be here, but it didn't work, or the approach was done incorrectly for Modok. Because even though he's kind of supposed to be the way that he is, he's not completely supposed to be uh, tonally like that. Because um, he didn't feel like a serious, like a, a threatening villain at all. Which kind of gets dampened because Kang is here. I sort of, yeah. Now that, because when I mentioned earlier, like, okay, Kang has to be in this film. Does Modok need to be in this film? If you take Modok out, okay, there's a few bits you'd you'd have to to, to fill in. But couldn't you put just a different sidekick bad guy? Because he kind of is Modok's sidekick, sort of. Even though Mod, even though Kang, sorry, Modok is supposed to be Kang's kind of sort of sidekick. Even though Kang clearly doesn't need one. But then he's not really sort of Kang's sidekick because Kang just sort of gets on with what he's got to get on with and he doesn't need the help. So, I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, and like, he sort of gets injured very badly, and uh, Cassie says like, oh, like, what you're supposed to do is not be a dick. He's like, alright, I'll try not to be a dick. And then Cassie runs off. It just, it, it, it just missed the mark with, with MODOK. Um, there was an idea there that I think could have worked, but just didn't. Um, I almost feel like, I don't know, you should have just saved him for a different film or something. Um, and let this just be Kang's film. And use MODOK against sort of someone else. Just put him in a different film, I think. Like, yeah, I... I I think if you, I, I don't think he needs to be in this film necessarily. I know there's some ex- exchanges between him and Scott and him and uh, what's his name, um, Hank, and those are interesting, but those are very quick. And I don't think this film needs those interactions. I think you could do that those in different in a different film. Um, so yeah, missed the mark with Modoc. I think definitely. So. Um, like Corey, who's in this role, does well with what he's given, but it it just yeah, just this doesn't really work for me. So there we go. Uh, what else do we need to talk about for the main stuff? Um, I I didn't really pick up on too many sort of like plot points throughout the film that didn't really work, or I know it's kind of a complicated film, but um, it uh, they because you're dealing with timey wimey stuff in this film. There are possibilities where like, oh, that character could have done this thing, which doesn't make sense for this later on. I can't really, re- I can't really remember any points where I sort of like was watching this and thought, oh, that character said they were going back or forward in time or did this and that, so that doesn't match up to this bit later on. I I can't think of many, I can't think of any that I remember anyway. Um, so nothing really on that front. Um, but no, um, there, there were good points in this, um, it, it just kind of missed the mark, so, um, last thing I have to talk about is post-credit scenes, which of course we get two of them, because it's an MCU film, uh, both of them are very good, both of them are very, very good, so we get the first one, which is, um, what do you call it, the, uh, Kang, full Kang reveal scene, and we, we knew there were going to be more of him, we, we get that teased in, uh, in, in Loki, um, so that was quite cool, but I suppose it's going to be this thing where they are individually expendable, but there's so many of them that there's like, there's more of an army of Kangs, which I think is very cool, because I don't think there's supposed to be like a, a main one, unless I'm, I'm reading that sort of wrong, uh, there seem to be the sort of like, five main ones that are sort of leaders and then like a whole bunch of them like a whole stadium almost full of them so that was quite cool and then we get the uh pick up later on uh, the second post credit scene which is loki and i can't remember the guy's name but owen wilson's character um yeah i thought that i thought that was almost more interesting than the Kang scene because we kind of suspected what was going on with Kang, but re- fully revealing that was was nice and was very cool and was good set up. But uh, yeah, didn't expect. To see, I I I was wondering because obviously it's the MCU, anybody can kind of appear almost anywhere, and I was kind of wondering, okay, who else is going to show up in this film? Uh, didn't quite expect to see Loki, even though you've got the multiverse realm thing of like, okay, Doctor Strange is in that area. Um, Spider-Man's kind of been involved in that. Wanda, obviously, who went through all the multiverse and stuff in in Doctor Strange, and you got Loki, who obviously in the in the Loki season one 
uh, did a little bit of multiverse exploring. So he's watching a version, <clears throat> a version of Kang at this like old style play sort of thing, and is there with Owen Wilson's character. Um, I liked what they set up here, and I think this is supposed to be set up for Loki season two, where um, Loki looks sort of terrified of him, and Owen Wilson's character is like, "Oh, this guy? You're afraid of this guy?" And Loki tries to be really is very convincing. Of like, yeah, this, this is the guy that's like really dangerous. Who obviously doesn't seem it in, in this scene because he's just trying to put on a play. Even though there's a couple of looks from that version of Kang where it looks like he's up to something. But Owen Wilson's character is kind of like, ah, okay, this guy. And Loki's like, nah, trust me, it's it's, it's this guy. So I thought that was uh, I thought that was quite cool. So so two very very good post credit scenes, which were very good. Um, so nobody died in this film, I don't think. There was a couple of, like, robots and other sort of characters that did die, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, speaking of, like, robots and side characters, the one kind of scene I, one one of the scenes I did sort of like was, um, the jelly person who gets, like, shot a bunch of times. He's like, oh, I do have holes. <laughs> and, like, sucks all these, uh, enemies into a void of, of whatever point. Um, I thought that was kind of like, oh, that was, the, you know, it was kind of cool. I thought that was a, a great little moment. So yeah, that's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, missed the mark, I think, but it's still good. Um, good setup still for what's to come. Um, there seems to be a consensus going around as well that the MCU has lost its magic. I disagree. Um, I can I can understand maybe why people think that, but I disagree because you you can understand somebody's opinion but not agree with it, right? And there's times where you can completely not understand somebody's opinion and like totally disagree and that sort of thing. But no, I just think that Phase Four, as I as I did say in my review of Phase Four, uh, whenever it was that I did that, that um, Phase Four was an introductory introductory experimental phase. That people I I think misunderstood. I mean, was it as good as phases one, two, and three? No, but it served a completely different function to those phases. And I think during phases, so from like now onwards, I think you'll start to see the fruits of some of those labors um, in some of these upcoming sort of bigger films. So we'll see from there. But I I again think it's just a case where. I think audiences can be too impatient, and I think people want to just jump straight now into, okay, when's the next Avengers film? When's the X Men coming? When's Fantastic Four? You can't just jump. You can't just jump from. There seems to be this thing where it's like, okay, we wanted to jump straight from Endgame to Black Panther to Spider Man to Avengers, and that just doesn't work. <laughs> um, I'm afraid. And yeah, those are the big pieces of the mcu that we that we look forward to but you have to build up to them we will get there uh we, we are getting to some of those things spider-man was a huge film black panther was huge this film is still pretty huge but doesn't quite hit the mark quite in the same way but you can't just jump from avengers endgame to spider-man i mean there was a spider-man before in in between those films which is far from home so you can't just jump from Endgame to No Way Home to Black Panther to this to X-Men to Avengers to Fantastic Four. It's too much. There'll be too many sort of um, 
big events all at once and you have to introduce these other characters you might not like some of those characters but you have to do that uh so there we go anyway that's my thoughts on um Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania enjoyed it somewhat thought it was good somewhat but missed the mark on the occasions that I've already uh, described but what did you think did you like it more than me did you like it less than me did you like it about the same amount do you have some of the same criticism some of the same praises I, I've seen a lot of praise out there for Jonathan Majors is um uh, Kang I thought that was great um but yeah um one just particular part that was interesting my eyes have now been open to this whole VFX CG debacle thing that's been going on um because my eyes couldn't possibly be closed to it after seeing this film it's very strange. Anyway, MatthewEdEntertainmentTalk.org, Twitter, eTalk UK, there's a contact page information in the show notes. Email box on the website version of the episode and a clickable email name in the show notes as well. In the meantime, you can find everything else that we do on EntertainmentTalk.org. TV, games, films, main night podcast, take a look out for what we do. Big, 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 big game tomorrow for Manchester United. It's the Cup Final, the Carabao Cup. We face Newcastle, so look out for that tomorrow. I'll either be very, very happy or very disappointed. We'll see how that goes. Uh, be entertainmenttalk.org, podcast platforms, entertainment talk, TV, games, films, main night podcast. Take a look out for everything that we do over there. In the meantime, you can tell other people about what we do and where they can find it, either by just telling them or using social media. Uh, Patreon, $5, $10 level tiers for the free podcast with your options. Have a look out for that as well if you'd like to. TV and film news over on Geek Time Radio, geektime.co.uk. Geek Time Radio is on Tuesdays. Look out for all of that for your TV and your film news. Renewals, cancellations, pickups, air dates. Over on Twitch, you can find Bex over there, Trista, B-Y-T-E-S, for retro chat and game streams and other things. Me over on Twitch as well at eTalk UK. Excuse me, uh, for all that, for all the video game streams. And YouTube. Uh, entertainment talk plays for all of the archives of those streams and whatnot and for game clips and that sort of thing. Anyway, that's it from me. Thanks very much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye.